4: TODAY IS TUESDAY, OCTOBER
5: 17, 2023 COMING UP ON ROLLING Martin Unfiltered. Streaming live on the Black Star Network, a Louisiana State University professor resigns after Saturday's election of right-wing Governor Jeff Landry. He will join us to tell us why. Also, what are black Democrats doing in that state after the abysmal performance of their party on Saturday? We'll talk to a statewide elected official about that very issue. Also, 14 days in counting. Republicans could not elect Jim Jordan as speaker. They've now recessed until Wednesday to get their act together. And why is former Speaker Kevin McCarthy trying to blame Democrats? Because his party can't get their crap together? Wait till I show y'all that laughable video. Vice President Kamala Harris continues her tour of college and college campuses nationwide. We'll show you uh, what took place at today's gathering. Also, in our Marketplace segment, we'll feature a black-owned detergent company. That's right, detergent company. It's time to bring the folk on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Blackstar Network. Let's go.
4: He's got whatever the miss he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling, best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics.
5: Folks in Louisiana, they're preparing for a new governor. Attorney General Jeff Landry uh, beat uh, all of the different uh, candidates in the jungle primary. That's what it's called on uh, Saturday. Some 16 candidates uh, that um, that were in the race, the top two vote-getters, if no one gets 50% Uh, moves on to the runoff well there's not going to be a runoff since he got more than 50 percent it's easy to call him a right-wing MAGA um, governor because that's exactly what he is he was one of the folks who was an art and uh, critic during the uh, COVID outbreak Uh, you also had of course issues Uh, when it came to um, his take on abortion and uh, trying to unseal the juvenile records uh, in only three counties that were largely African American. Uh, And Robert Mann, a professor at Louisiana State University, uh, took exception to some of his COVID comments. Landry got ticked off uh, and, you know, blocked him on social media uh, and was highly critical. After, after uh, of course, uh, the election, Mann sent a letter to his bosses saying uh, that he would not be returning to LSU. Uh, he joins us right now. Robert, glad to have you on the show. So um, you're not calling the resignation, so what is it called?
6: Well, I'm retiring uh, at the end of the the current school year, so it's I'm, I'm not I'm still going to be in class uh, this week and next semester, but at the end of the school year, I'll I'll be I'll be leaving my job at LSU.
5: Clearly, the election of Landry uh, is the prime reason. Correct.
6: Well, yes, it's because he has um, you know really declared war on free speech and especially on free speech at Louisiana college campuses that uh, he seems to think are. Uh, populated by liberals who were trying to um, um, ruin the minds of the fresh young uh, people of Louisiana. And um, he made it really clear early on that he wanted me gone. He asked the president of the university to fire me. I'm confident that he will make life a living hell for my dean and for my faculty and for my students. And it just seemed like uh, the better thing to do to, to, to announce my departure. Uh, get out of here and not make my students and the people that I care about and I work with for the last 18 years uh, suffer for, um, for my transgressions. Um,
5: well, first of all, I, I wouldn't call them transgressions. Just simply, you uh, offering I your say, "quote
6: unquote" transgressions. Yes,
5: offer your perspective. Uh, sounds like Jeff Landry uh, would be a, a bosom buddy uh, with uh, my native uh, Texan Governor Greg Abbott. The attacks that he and Dan Patrick have had on university officials, uh, and we saw the shameful conduct of the Texas A&M Board of Regents when Kathleen McElroy was being trying to—they well, were trying to hire her uh, as the head of the journalism department—was one of the reasons why you don't. don't see my Texas A&M ring on my finger and why I removed everything with A&M from my studio uh, because that's the kind of climate that we are are living in. We're living in uh, where we have Republicans uh, who who govern these state institutions uh, who want to impose their ideology uh, on these campuses.
6: Yeah, the first thing that Landry did when he began running for governor was to go to Mar-a-Lago and kiss the ring. Uh, he got Trump's endorsement. He first got Donald Trump Jr.'s endorsement and then got Donald Trump's endorsement. And he's been performing for him for in the last four or five years, but most, most you know, um, uh, the last during the campaign, clearly performing for him. And I think he will be performing for him uh, as governor and uh, will be trying to enact just about everything that Abbott and DeSantis have, have done in their respective states here in Louisiana.
5: Um, and one of your tweets I saw where you talked about, uh, the, the, the targeting, uh, of, uh, academic freedom, tenure, things along those lines. Uh, this, of course, uh, this is LSU has, uh, a black president there. Y'all go to my iPad, please. Uh, William take the fourth, uh, and the reality is, look, when you're one of these presidents of a state institution, sort of very much like John Sharp, who's the chancellor of Texas A&M, uh, it's all about getting those state resources, uh, and he's had to kiss the butt, uh, of Texas Republicans. Uh, and so do you see that uh, President Tate LSU having to bow down to the interest of uh, the likes of a Jeff Landry if they
6: want to survive uh, in their jobs? Yeah, I suspect he will. I suspect that probably he already has in the, in the LSU board, many of which were appointed by Bobby Jindal, the Republican predecessor to our Democratic governor. They switched jerseys pretty quickly to stay on the board. It's just what you do here in Louisiana and a lot of other places. Um, you pay homage to. You bend the knee. You kiss the ring to the person who's who who controls your budget. And I suspect they'll they'll do that with Landry if they haven't already.
5: Um, you are a history professor at LSU, correct? Journalism. I'm sorry, journalism professor. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's so let's just sort of look forward. You got Landry now is going to be the governor. Republicans now have a supermajority, um, and you you Louisiana has been conservative, but it has not gone full far right like Florida, like Texas, uh, like Georgia, like Tennessee. Uh, But now the conditions are right to frankly do whatever they want because they control all three branches of government.
6: Yeah, and not only that, but uh, they control all three branches of government, particularly the legislature, because the, the Democratic Party didn't run challengers for most of the Republicans who were either running or running for re election before election day, they were already guaranteed a supermajority in the House because there were so many uh, House members who, Republicans, who ran unchallenged. So it's going to be uh, like a hot knife through butter for Delandry getting pretty much whatever he wants. It's going to be, it was already fairly extreme because we had a, a conservative Democratic governor who was going along with some of this stuff. But you can only imagine what a MAGA governor with a supermajority in both houses is going to be able to do. It's going to be, um, just pretty much, uh, his um, his whims are going to be uh, coming. going to be easily becoming law, I think.
5: Um, you by you retiring and uh, and so look. You t- you taught there for how long?
6: Eighteen years. And total number of years you've taught? Well, eighteen years. I was I worked in journalism and politics in Louisiana before then. So clearly. It has to be very uh, tenuous
5: for your colleagues uh, who are preparing for the incoming attack.
6: Yeah, everybody, I think, saw it coming. I mean, it was pretty clear that he was the leading candidate. I think we didn't see the the fact that he would win without a runoff, but people were preparing themselves for this eventuality. And I, I know from talking to lots of colleagues over the last couple of years, but particularly in the last couple of months, that... There's a lot of people who are either planning retirement or planning their uh, escape, trying to find a job in another place that's going to be more, it's going to be friendlier to higher education, where academic freedom will be respected, where free speech rights will be uh, honored. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of fear and loathing, not just just here at LSU, but across higher education in Louisiana. Uh, On that particular point right there, uh, and I don't think people really fully understand
5: it. You take uh, Florida. Uh, in their African-American Studies Department, University of Florida. They couldn't fill a number of the jobs. Folks refused to apply. Uh, we saw what happened to Kathleen McElroy at Texas A&M. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we see what's happening all over. You have folks who are saying, I don't want any part of that mess. And so what's going to happen is a lot of these th- institutions are going to be losing some seriously talented people because they don't want to go to hostile environments.
6: They don't, they don't want to go to a hostile environment. They also don't want to move if they're women or they're married with a wife of childbearing age or they have children of childbearing age. They don't want to move to a state where they no longer have bodily autonomy, where they... I think Louisiana may be the state where it's the longest drive to another state that, that has uh, the availability of an abortion. So, if you need abortion services, you, you, you can't get them here. If you need emergency care, if you have a difficult pregnancy, you're, you're not going to get it here. You'll have to be on death's door before you get treated. Um, so that's also—it's just not just the, the higher education policies; it's the, the lack of bodily autonomy for for women in this state that I think is going to discourage a lot of people from coming here, but also hasten a lot of people's departures. You—you um, you mentioned
5: you were in politics before becoming a journalism professor. Uh, I, I would love to hear your perspective uh, on uh, the abysmal state of the Louisiana Democratic Party.
6: Well. I worked for uh, two U.S. senators, Russell Long, John Bro and, and Governor Kathleen Blanco, and spent uh, you know, almost probably two years of my, my life working uh, uh, on leave for those politicians to r- do the communications for the Louisiana Democratic Party in the, in the 90s. And uh, it, was a, it was a functional party in those days. Uh, it has been hijacked by some quasi-Republicans. The governor, uh, the Democratic governor completely ignored the party, was hostile to the party. It's fallen into complete disrepair. Uh, they spent more time trying to defeat a progressive House member in New Orleans, uh, state House member in New Orleans, than they did trying to elect the uh, African-American consensus candidate for governor. Um, it's just it's a party that needs to be blown up, burned down, ground to dust, and, and rebuilt, because it's not, uh, it's not serving Democrats or the people right now. It's, uh, it's a lot of self-dealing. The the media past president, a past chair of the party, is in prison for stealing from the uh, the party, and the current chair needs to resign because she, she was totally ineffective and spent more time in the spring exploring her own um, uh, potential candidacy for governor, undermining all the other candidates who were looking at it.
5: Um, that says a whole lot there. Um, what's next for you?
6: Well, I have got books that I write. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm my wife and I kind of joke that it wouldn't be fun maybe to live in a state and work at a university where when things break, they fix them. So I'm I'm open to maybe going and spending a few more years of my career teaching somewhere else and sharing what I know. And um, but if that doesn't work out, I'm, I'm perfectly fine continuing to write books. That's what I enjoy doing. And I'll continue um, I'll continue contributing in that way.
5: Well, uh, Robert Mann, we appreciate uh, you joining us, explaining uh, what's happening there. Uh, It is certainly, uh, first of all, for the second most popular state for African-Americans, it is uh, not going to be um, uh, great days ahead. uh, Because if if J.F. Landry governs as governor uh, like he operated as attorney general, it is going to be dark days in Louisiana.
6: Yes, it will. Thank you for 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 having me on today. Robert, thanks a lot. Appreciate
5: it. Thank you. Folks, going to go to a break. We come back. We're going to talk to a black state elected official in Louisiana uh, about what is next for the Democratic Party there. Uh, They've got major issues. uh, But more importantly, what I want to know is what the hell are they going to do to drive up black voter turnout? Because what they've done so far has been terrible. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the
7: Black Stud Network. Peace, I'm Faraji Muhammad, host of The Culture, and brothers, we need to talk. There's been much discussion about the state of the black man in our community, whether it's in politics, education, or in the home, My brothers, we are struggling to lead the way, which is why the culture will be hosting the Black Men Summit, where we'll be redefining and celebrating Black manhood. This special series will kick off on the 28th anniversary of the historic Million Man March on Monday, October the 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be talking to some of Black America's most prolific, dynamic, thought-provoking Black men activists, scholars, and leaders about our role, our power in our future. So tune in and join the conversation as an online culture crew member for the Culture's Black Men's Summit, redefining and celebrating Black manhood. Starting Monday, October 16th through Friday, October 20th, 4 p.m. Eastern time each day, right here, exclusively here on the Black Star Network.
10: All change right. is not growth, right? but thoughtful change is real good fertilizer. And that's what has been so
5: beneficial to us. But you also were not afraid of the pivot.
2: Well, when no.
10: I'm a black woman in business, come on, I don't care how I dress up, I don't care who I'm speaking with, I don't care what part of the world I am in, I still am a black woman in business. Being afraid of the pivot, being fearful of change, is not what got me here. Respectful of change. Respectful of pivot. Yeah. Fearful? No. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. Uh-uh. Hello, I'm Paula J. Parker.
4: Trudy Proud on the
10: Proud Family.
11: I am Tommy Davidson. I play Oscar on Proud Family, Louder and Proud.
10: Hi, I'm Joe Marie Payton, voice of Sugar Mama on Disney's Louder and Prouder, Disney Plus. And I'm with Roland Martin on Unfiltered. <laughs>
5: All right, folks, you just heard Robert Mann there talk about uh, how the poorest performance of Democrats uh, in uh, this year's election. Devontae Lewis is the Louis- serves in Louisiana Public Service Commission, uh, 3rd District. Uh, he joins us right now. Devontae, uh, glad to have you here. So first and foremost, Sean Wilson was, was a Democratic nominee. He gets 27%, 26% of the vote.
12: What the hell happened? Yeah, thank you, Roland, once for having me. I think one of the challenges that we saw is that uh, Sean only ran about a five-month campaign. He announced uh, his candidacy for governor around uh, uh, late this spring and then decided to to run. And so uh, there are, quite frankly, a lot of black Louisianians who didn't know who Sean Wilson was uh, because he did not have enough money to get on air, to do a ground game, to talk to voters. And so I think that's a challenge here in Louisiana when we have candidates who we want to run statewide, and we we wait till the very last second to try to engage our people.
5: Okay, so you said he. Okay, so he waited. Um, so then the question is that you talked about money. Okay, um, what did your party do to help raise money to help do things? Did other candidates uh, give to his campaign? Um, what did other folks do? Because you have a Democrat who's sitting in the governor's mansion. Normally, if you have a Democratic who's the governor, you actually have uh, an operation
12: apparatus uh, that helps uh, folks run. Well, I mean, I think this has been the problem. We have not had a party and party leaders of the state of Louisiana who saw interest in building an infrastructure outside of themselves. Um, Why? So what the hell have they been doing? They've been self-grandizing. I mean, I'll be honest with you. When I ran uh, this same party infrastructure, I spent countless amount of money against me and my friend Gary Chambers uh, because we were not part of their clique. And the challenge that we've seen here in Louisiana is, uh, let's go back four years ago. You talked about the legislature, and the supermajority. Our Democratic governor four years ago only endorsed one senatorial candidate to flip the Senate, and he was helping a Republican law school classmate keep his Republican seat, who voted against all of our Democratic priorities, but did not get involved in flipping a seat here in Baton Rouge, did not help us try to flip a seat down there in the Florida parishes. And so part of the problem is Democratic leaders here always make deals with the Republicans to protect themselves at the best interest of the people of Louisiana. All right,
5: so that's party. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that, I, that I look at is the number of African Americans uh, that uh, are in the state. Um, where is the black-specific um, effort to mobilize and organize those voters? Uh, we, saw what ha- we saw what happened in Georgia. Uh, we saw what happened with groups there, Stacey Abrams and others. Um, is there anything happening uh, uh, there in Louisiana, off-election years, things at, at 365 seven days a week, What's going on? You got a ton of black people. If you mobilize and organize them, you could literally
12: run the table. Absolutely. And we have some amazing organizations who are doing that work. Ashley Shelton at the Power Coalition for Equity and Justice Uh, Norris Henderson at Voice of the Experience, an organization uh, made up of formerly incarcerated people mobilizing people around uh, criminal justice and getting them involved in the system. Uh, We have these organizations, but what we see every step of the way is actually the black political establishment hurting their movement, going against them. Well, when we talk about in the legislature, when we ask for them to fight for the issues that matter to black Louisianians, we got black members who will join the Republican caucus in killing our bills not even voicing up concerns. and Who? So, so,
5: so, so have, y'all, have y'all made those names known? And are, uh, are folks going to run candidates against them?
12: Yes, and that's what we're trying to do. That's the movement. That's what I did. I took out an 18-year incumbent. Uh, a, a black elected official who I felt was too close uh, to the Republican Party and too close to the establishment, and we beat him uh, by 20 points in this in this state just last year. Uh, we've seen us do this work smartly in some of the legislative races, uh, but we are building that movement. But what happens is, instead of having... Black leaders join us in this movement. They fight against us. Bob talked about it. One of the most progressive members of the Louisiana legislature, they spent over $200,000. Our sitting congressman, our sitting governor, former members of the legislature and current members of the legislature did more work taking out a progressive who stood up for black issues than they did for the black candidate for governor. That's the problem.
5: So this, I'm on the Louisiana Democrats' uh, website. This, where, this says, our leaders. And so it says, here you have Governor John Bel Edwards, you have uh, Katie Bernhardt, who's the party chair, Congressman Troy Carter, Representative Sam Jenkins, uh, then you have Senator Gerald uh, Boudreaux. Uh, and so uh, of those, uh, obviously, Bel uh, is leaving. So of those four, Bernhardt, Ch- Carter, Jenkins, Boudreaux, who
12: do you want to see stay? Who do you want to see go? Well, I, I mean, I, I, what I want to see is I want to see uh, a new chair. I want to see Katie gone. I, I ran against uh, Katie for first vice chair with a ticket with another candidate who was investing in voters um, and not self-grandizing. So that is one. Uh, congressman Carter is our only uh, black congressman. But hopefully we will get the second district after the Fifth Circuit makes their ruling. Uh, Representative Jenkins will no longer be chairing the House Democratic caucus. He's running. For state senate and Senator Boudreaux has successfully, I think, led um, the uh, Senate Democrats. What who is replacing Representative Jenkins is Matt Willard, a phenomenal young. Uh, 33-year-old uh, black legislator from New Orleans who has a solid record of mobilizing and engagement and I think will bring some life back into the House Democratic Caucus. So, so I'm
5: confused. <laughs> if you talk about leadership, leadership of the party and these are your five leaders, and obviously Bill Edwards is leaving, and then Bernhardt, um, uh, by all uh, description, has been awful. Okay, uh, then uh, what is Carter, Jenkins, and Boudreaux doing to lead this party out of the abyss? And are uh, should they uh, remain in leadership? I, I mean, I think that's a good question. I don't know. What no, I'm asking you. I know well, it's a no, good question. I, I,
12: I, I know it's a good question. I asked it. But I'm asking well, you. Well, what, what I'm telling you is that is the question when we have leaders who say one thing in public and do something private. No, 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 no. I'm
5: No, Devante, I'm asking you. Do you, again... Yes, they, are, they. You already laid out. Carter's is elected. You have Jikas is running for. Uh, Jikas is running for. Uh, not going to be House leaders. He's running for of uh, the Senate. I'm ask, but I'm asking you, are these three? Are they doing enough to change the leadership? And if not, do they need
12: to go? Oh wait, I don't think they're doing enough. I, I, I'll be very blunt. I mean, they. We have not seen the type of engagement from our elected officials in terms of building and mobilizing and organizing. Uh, And that's been a challenge. I've been an advocate before I became elected, and I went to the Capitol every morning telling them, we got to stop trying to make deals with the Republicans and stand up for black issues and for black people and the poor of Louisiana and make that case. And I think, sadly, in Louisiana, uh, the black caucus at times, have made more out of trying to be the peace negotiators with the insurrectionist Republicans than they have been defending our issues. And so I think there is a message that we need to take. We want to see real leadership. And I don't want the control of the party. I mean, I think that's been the challenge. When when we had a sitting, progressive, young legislator named Ted James running for the party chair, Congressman Rich, uh, former Congressman uh, Richmond and Congressman Carter did not support him, and they supported Katie Bernhardt. That's a problem and we need to talk about it all right so uh, again so that's
5: that's that's parting if I go back to again that black uh, that, that that black plan uh, that I'm talking about um, um, you know what you know what is it going to take uh, are you targeting you know what are the key areas in Louisiana uh, that should be targeted because again I'm speaking about black interests which are not necessarily democratic interests now, it may mean electing Democrats, but those are two separate things. What I'm curious about is what is the black plan for black people? Because I'm not just talking about governor or uh, Democratic leadership. I'm talking about sheriff. You got 63 sheriffs uh, that ran, 56 all of them white, 57 men. Uh, some, you had one guy who was a sheriff in a in a blue area had no Democratic opposition. What the hell? You had problems with state troopers there uh, in the Ronald Green case. I could go on and on and on. So it's not like, uh, look, you got Cancer Alley. It's an abundance of issues. And so um, what are black folks going to do to mobilize and organize that state? I mean, you got black folks. right. What's amazing to me is you got black people right now who are having more of an impact on the Mississippi governor's race than what just took place in Louisiana, and you had a black man running for governor in Louisiana.
12: You're absolutely right, and I mean, I think this is what I have been screaming about for years, and one of the things that we have to do is we got to stop getting in our way, and what I talk about, when you talk about, for instance, East Baton Rouge Parish, where I live and represent, uh, and Sid Gautreau running unopposed, we had black men stepping up to challenge him. You know who bullied him out of the race? Black elected officials. They endorsed Sid, Sid and said, we're not going to help you, and we're going to stick with him. And so when I talk about the black political apparatus, I'm not just talking simply about we need black leaders. What we have to do is when we elect black individuals, they got to stop saying, hey, just vote, but then making deals with everybody else to protect themselves. We have groups on here doing the work. Like I said, Power Coalition and Vote are mobilizing and organizing every single day. They knocked on over a million phone doors, made multiple touches. But what we hear from Black constituents and Black residents is when they look at the elected leadership, they say, I don't see myself. I don't see anybody fighting for me. And I see my, my elected officials more interested being friends with those who are trying to ban Black history, trying to incarcerate our children, taking our investments away. And so what we have to do as Black leaders get back to recognizing that we need to be building power for our people instead of interested in being people in power. And that's a challenge in Louisiana that has not been confronted in a while, uh, which is why I rocked the system with my election, right? I challenged the black establishment because I said, no one's speaking up for my district in Cancer Alley. No one's talking about these issues. And I go out there and we connect. And I think that's what we got to do. We got to get back to the work of giving black voters a reason to turn out because what they look at when they see the black establishment, I'll tell you fr- from looking at the legislator, there are times you can't tell a black member from a white Republican because they're voting on the same crappy things to harm our children that they would do because they are making backroom deals. But, okay, they- so they're making backroom <laughs> deals, but are y'all calling them out?
5: Are y'all publicizing yes. their names? Are Absolutely. You put, are y'all specifically putting it out there on social media saying these black elected officials are doing
12: harm to black people? Absolutely. When we, w- when we were in the redistricting fight and we had black members of the Legislative Black Caucus vote for a map that did not increase black representation to adequately represent the state of Louisiana, Power Coalition and Black Voters Matter, we put out flyers and social media target ads saying, look at these members. And one of those members is- was challenged in his election and is now in a runoff and I think will probably lose his seat. Uh, so we are doing that work but the challenge is we need people to help us invest in the state of louisiana but what we're seeing and what i'm talking about is when we are making those calls nationally saying we are doing the work down here we got leadership in congress black leaders telling those same groups don't invest in my state because it's not going to happen and so we're and we got to call that out and i'm asking my other ones to be as blunt as me and saying we can't keep hiding behind the fact that some of these people say one thing in the press and do something totally different when the when you're not looking, Roland. And that's the challenge that we're facing here in Louisiana.
5: Uh, well, so, uh, last question for you: um, um, Are y'all calling for? Are you? Ca- are y'all g- plan on having any? public town halls uh, in New Orleans, in Baton Rouge, in Shreveport, in Monroe, uh, in a lot of these places uh, where you have large African-American population to begin the process of, I I
12: guess, building or rebuilding black political infrastructure in Louisiana. Absolutely. I would tell people uh, stay connected with Uh, Louisiana Budget Project, Invest in Louisiana, Power Coalition for Equity and Justice Vote. We are organizations that have been on the ground doing this work, building these coalitions, having these town halls, and we are more committed now than never. What we are asking for is the people that have been harming us and stopping our movement to get out of the way because you can't complain one day that black voters didn't turn out and then you directly harm these same groups who are doing that on-the-ground mobilization uh, at the same time. And so we're going to keep pushing that work. We've seen some of that success in New Orleans. We're pushing forward in the state. But what I'm saying is we got to have everybody at the table. And and it's that old saying, it's that old church song my great-grandmother used to say, if you ain't helping me get out of the way, please don't block me, uh, because we are trying to run this race. And that's what I'm saying. If you don't want to be part of the process of building Black political power, get out of our way so we can keep doing that work.
5: Uh, Well, uh, look, there are many people have been fighting like crazy for the second black congressional district. uh, And and I dare say, uh, folks, are not going to be sitting here uh, fighting uh, if we're going to see the kind of turnout that we saw on Saturday. Lowest turnout uh, overall of an election in Louisiana in a dozen years. All right. We'll be paying attention uh, and watching. Thank you so much. Thanks a bunch. All right, folks, come back. We'll discuss uh, this with my panel and also break down some other issues of the day. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. YouTube, folks, hit the like button, please. Also, support us in what we do. Join our Bring the Fuck fan club. Your dollars absolutely matter. Uh, folks, your check and money orders, to PO Box 57196, Washington, D.C. 20037 0196. Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo, is R-M Unfiltered. Zell, Roland at RolandSMartin.com, Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. We'll be right back.
2: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia
13: gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: On a next, a balanced life with me, Dr. Jackie. Being of service to others is one of the greatest callings in life. But being there for someone else in their time of crisis is a whole new level and you have to bring courage, commitment and strength. On our next show, we meet two real life angels who were thrust in the midst of caregiving and without warning. And he was looking strange and um, couldn't cut his meat. And it was very odd. And I said, well, what's wrong? And he says, I think I've had a stroke. And so, of course, it scared, scared me. And um, we literally got in the car and he walked into the hospital on a Thursday. And by Saturday of that same week, he lost um, all control of his left side. The blessings, the challenges, and the way they maintain their balance, all next on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network.
5: We talk about blackness, 0196. The Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is RM Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at RolandSMartin.com.
15: Pull up a chair. Take your seat. The Black Tape. With me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network, every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network.
16: Next on The Frequency with me, Dee Barnes, actress, writer, and advocate, Ray Don Chong, is here to discuss her childhood and break down her life in Hollywood, a show you don't wanna miss. Well, even at my peaky, peak, peak, when I was getting a lot of stuff, as soon as I was working a ton, I heard people whispering, oh, we don't wanna pay her because we're
17: giving her a break.
4: Only on The Frequency on the Black Star Network,
5: Hello, we're the Critter Fixers. I'm Dr. Bernard Hodges. And I'm Dr. Terrence
13: Ferguson. And you're tuned into... Roland Martin, Unfiltered.
5: All right, folks, my pound, Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali, former senior advisor for environmental justice at the EPA out of D.C. Randy Bryant, DEI disruptor. She's out of D.C. Suzette Speaks, attorney and host. The Suzette Speaks show out of Miami. Glad to have all three of you here. Uh, Mustafa, I want to start with you. Um, And this is is something that I think people uh, have to understand when I ask the question, what is the black plan, not the Democratic plan? Now, I'm also very clear in terms of politics. The reality is the issues that we often talk about that matter to us are likely going to get done through a Democrat and not a Republican. And so I love it when all these these yahoos out here, these simple Simons, like, oh, you're out here shilling for the Democrats. Fool, them other folk don't give a damn about us. It's abundantly clear in the stuff that they actually support. So the question then becomes, if we're going to support somebody, it's likely going to be a dim, But then the question then becomes, what type of dim? What you saw there in Louisiana, I mean, beyond abysmal, go to my iPad. These are the total number of qualified voters in the state. OK. Uh, and so when you go, when you go, come on, guys, let's go. Switch. Thank you. Let's go. Thank you. All right. Now, 2.97 million voters. White, 1.8 million. There were 927,577 eligible uh, African-Americans in the state, okay? That's the number. Now, that represents 31.2% of the total electorate. Now, here are the actual vote numbers here in the gubernatorial race. You're going to see right here, all right, 1,062,498 people voted. That was a total number. That means that little more than 800,000 people voted compared to the number of African American voters in the state. Now go back to my iPad. So you'll see here Jeff Landry, he won with uh, 547,827 votes. Sean Wilson, uh, the leading Democratic vote getter, he got 275,000 525 votes, which means that if you look at that particular number right there, Mustafa, again, 927,000 African-Americans, the black candidate gets 275,000. I've said this all the time, and this is where I think a lot of these people like, Rolly, you're blaming black voters. No, I'm not. What I'm saying is when we do not exercise our power accordingly, we lose 927,000 African-Americans, which means if black people, if 50% of all eligible black people alone, again, y'all, listen to me clearly, if 50% of all eligible black people, just 50% voted in in this election on Saturday, that means you would have had in terms of the number, 463,000 people who vote. Hmm, Landry got 547,000. That means if just 50% of black folks exercise the right to vote, frankly, you pick up another 100,000, you win. This is an example uh, of Mustafa, what I talk about all the time how we as black folks, if we use our power, could literally win elections statewide
3: yeah it goes to that old adage that my grandmother always shared that you have power unless you give it away this is an example unfortunately and we just got to keep it real of us giving our power away it was an opportunity to flex and through flexing we could have made sure that we had a governor uh, in louisiana or at least a runoff for governor in Louisiana, something that Louisiana hasn't had since 1873, when Governor Pitchback uh, actually was governor for 35 days. Uh, That's a deeper story. But we had that opportunity right there literally at our fingertips. So it's not about anybody giving us anything. It is about us understanding the opportunities that are in front of us and us actually taking advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, you know, if you have a Democratic governor who happens to be white, they'll, like you said, they'll probably do many of the right things. But there's still that that flavor that's missing when you don't have your own in those positions, and we had an opportunity that we missed.
5: It, here's the thing, right here, Randy. Again, go back to my iPad. There's a runoff for Secretary of State, and you see all the different candidates here. So you had uh, you had eight people who ran for Secretary of State. Um, Gwen Collins Greenup, uh, who is the who, the African American. Uh, she got 19%, this this Nancy Landry got 19%. They were the two highest uh, vote-getters. Right there, again, if just 50% of black people vote for the sister, she crushes them, crushes them. I can do this, so somebody uh, on on my YouTube channel just asked the question, um, how many states out there where black voters make the difference? A lot Gosh. if we maximize our numbers.
16: Right. What I was going to say, the problem seems to be so much bigger in Louisiana and that we, as a people, are certainly disenfranchised, not engaged whatsoever in the system. And so there is a big problem there. Not Forget how we're voting, because I think that that's not the problem. But why aren't we at all? And that means there's a lack of hope to me. What I see is a lack of hope, a lack of that we don't feel as if our vote matters. And why is it? Why does that matter? Like we, we talked uh, to the gentleman before about leadership, but it seems as if those people shouldn't be able to block what's happening. It should be that people get a grassroots effort and are going door to door and re-energize our people because we, we clearly are not feeling as if we have any power, which we could: Well see, see, here's
5: the thing, Suzette, that, 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 that bothers me. I, I had somebody else over here and they posted uh, and they said, "You know, we've been voting, we ain't seen nothing change, so therefore we tired. You know, it's a whole bunch of blo- black folks for a long time who couldn't even vote, like just mm-hmm. couldn't even vote, had no power whatsoever. Um, I, I think about where you are. Again, Mm -hmm. I go to numbers. Everything comes down to numbers. When Andrew Gillum ran for governor in 2018, lost by 30,000 votes. I remember the Tallahassee Democrat ran a story, and the story had a graph that showed the turnout in counties that year. I think you had to get to, like, the 11th or 12th spot before you saw Blue County. It was Broward. I think it was around 57%. Then you went lower, it was Miami-Dade. The reality is, if Miami-Dade and Broward, two largest concentration of black folks in the state, if they go from 57 or, or lower to 65, he wins in a cakewalk. It's number 100% rubber. So, I'm tired of people. I'm tired of black people saying, "We ain't got no power. We're not sitting here. We're not we're not we're not seeing the results because your vote, your power is not being used. That's like me sitting here going, "Damn, I don't understand. This speaker not coming on. Have you plugged the shit in?" You got to plug it in to connect to an electric source in order for it to turn on. It's the same thing.
9: Yes, we actually have two Democratic Party chairs of Broward County. His name is Rick Hoy. He is a colleague of mine. As well as in Dade County, the Party chair is an African-American, Robert Dempsey. So we do have two brothers who are leading up the efforts, but as you stated, as I look at the numbers and I crunch the numbers from Florida, Governor DeSantis only had a total of 4 million votes. Charlie Crist had 3.1 million in a state of 22 million people. So when people try to make the contention that uh, this is a red state, I push back oftentimes because if the numbers, as you stated, of uh, minorities do come out, we can swing the entire state legislature as well as the governor's office. Now, of course, we have gerrymandered districts as well that help keep Republicans uh, in the majority in our uh, state house and our state Senate. However, when you look at local elections, which are the building blocks for getting black leadership, trained up black leadership, ready to fight, ready to go to Tallahassee and to take on congressional roles, etc., we have the numbers. I tell people all the time, although these districts are gerrymandered, when you look into them, there are a ton of blue voters sitting in what looks like a ruby red district on election night on the maps. We think of Florida as, as so-called being, you know, extremely red. But there are counties that have 40 percent Democrat, 45 percent Democrats, sometimes even split, just like our state legislature, where those voices are kind of being drowned out because of the gerrymandering issue. Nonetheless, we still can have uh, an impactful uh, movement if black folks have a reason to get out, if we put enough money in from the national party, from our statewide party. I know uh, uh, Democratic uh, Florida Democratic Party Chair Dicky Freed has pledged $1 million, but we know in media markets as big as South Florida, that's not enough money to ensure that we reach our voters. So we're going to need the third-party groups. We're going to need more uh, support from the DNC. Money is a critical issue in terms of getting the message out to our voters and, as I said, giving them a reason to step forward and
5: understand their power. in in the upcoming election, even in 2024. But here's what I'm calling for, Mustafa, which uh, is different. I don't—I'm not waiting on a damn party. I'm not waiting on a national party, a state party, a county party, a local party. I'm talking about black people. That's what I keep saying. If y'all want to—if you say, hey, I like so-and-so candidate, do not send the money to the candidate send it to a black third party group like Georgia Stand Up, Black Voters Matter, or other groups where we know the money is going to go on the ground to pay people to knock on doors, to pass things out. That's my point. So what has happened is in these campaigns, let me be very clear, White media consultants are determining where the money goes. They want to dump it on television. They want to dump it uh, to folks not African-Americans. What I'm saying to black people, I need black people listening to me very clearly right now as we're looking forward towards 2024. First of all, you got gubernatorial race in in, uh, Kentucky, gubernatorial race in Mississippi, and also then we begin to look at next year. I want black people to be discussing what is a black strategy. How are we asking African-Americans with means to be able to provide money to black efforts because that's where the turnout is. It is going to be boots on the ground, Mustafa.
3: No, I agree with you 100 percent. We've got to remember, nobody is coming to save our communities. You know, if somebody shows up as an authentic ally, that's great. But we can't count on that. We have to do the work ourselves. We have to do the strategy ourselves. We've gotta make sure that we are supporting and investing our organizations who are gonna be authentic in the work. And if we don't do that, then we're gonna have these types of situations. And then people will justify by saying, well, see, there's no need for us to put money into your state campaigns um, because it's not gonna yield a positive result. So we gotta take matters into our own hands.
5: So uh, so everybody needs to understand something right here before I go to a break, and it's very simple. When we're talking about elections, you start with numbers. And when you start with numbers, you start with, okay, what's the available pool of people? What did you hear me say last night uh, at the town hall in Fredericksburg, Virginia? We can actually control elections. If I'm running, I'm looking at, mm, okay, what happened not just in this congressional district or state district, what happened in these precincts. When I look at the precinct numbers, that's where my power is. If I look at this precinct and 800 people or 700 people were available voters in the precinct and only 80 voted, then I didn't know if they got 700 eligible voters, then guess what? I can go there and I'm trying to reach 620 people who didn't vote. 620 people across 10 precincts, is 6,200 votes. In many places, that's the margin of victory. And so it's not hard, but you need people to do it. And so everybody out here, I see y'all commenting. People email me all the time. Oh, man, what's going to happen? This is very simple. You must tell all of these black organizations who I get sick and tired of meeting, what are they doing? And when I say organizations, I'm talking about all of them. We must be far more aggressive in challenging. If you are an alpha, a delta, a AKA, a kappa, a sigma, an omega, an iota, zeta, phi, beta, sigma, gamma, rho, if you Links, Eastern Star, Prince Hall, Mason, if you Boulay, uh, if you are any of the Knights of Peter Claver, Junior Knights of Peter Claver, if you are uh, in ministry groups, uh, all these different things. What are you actually doing? I'm sick and tired of these BS, hey, we gotta get out to vote, A uh, 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 flyer? no, no, no. How are you examining data and then turning people out? That's what I'm talking about. How are we mobilizing caravans of vehicles to drive folks to the polls? I'm telling y'all right now, listen clearly, the hell that is going to be unleashed on black people if the right wins next year, you do not want to deal with. I don't want to hear that oh, black people, we didn't survive this. survived that. No, your black ass didn't, your ancestors did. So every single one of y'all who say black people survived slavery, Yo sorry ass didn't survive slavery. And guess what? The black people who did survive slavery, they're the ones who rustled together nickels and pennies to create schools. They're the ones who busted their ass to get the right to vote. They're the ones who showed up at marches. They're the ones who funded the lawyers in Texas to break the backs of the Texas Democratic Party to get the right to vote. They're the ones who got Brown versus Board of Education. So every single one of y'all who come with that bullshit of, oh, we survived slavery, you had better give credit to the ancestors who also did the work so your ass can have the right to vote, but you choose to sit at home and not use it. And then go, oh my god, I just don't see things changing, so therefore, Don't you dare raise what they did and then today you do nothing. That is an abomination to the ancestors. I'll be back.
17: I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach and host of Get Wealthy. Let me hit you with a few numbers. African Americans spend nine times the amount on ethnic beauty products and yet only own 1% of the beauty supply stores. It's an $18 billion industry. On the next Get Wealthy, you're gonna learn and hear from a woman who's turning this obstacle into an opportunity. We literally take you from A to Z on all of the things step by step you need to have in place to open and run a very successful beauty supply store. That's right here with me, Deborah Owens, host of Get Wealthy only on Black Star Network.
1: Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence.
5: White people are losing their damn lives
17: What's up? It's Sammy Roman.
14: Hey, it's John Murray, the executive producer of the new Sherry Shepard talk show.
17: Hey, it's me, Sherry Shepherd, and you know what you're watching, Roland Martin, unfiltered.
0: All
5: right, folks, welcome back. Uh, I'm gonna talk about with my next guest about um, his recent trip. He was he was in Israel, uh, but. Uh, before I get to that, I got to bring in Pastor Kenneth Wayland III uh, uh, on the show. Uh, I saw you over there clapping when I was talking, uh, Pastor. So, um, and I know um, uh, we're on the same page uh, on that. And, and I got to show this here. Go to my iPad because y'all just had an election in Memphis, okay? And again, yep. I need to be able to, y'all, Memphis is black. Memphis is like black, black, all right? And look at these numbers. First of all, let me go ahead and say this. There's too many damn people running for mayor in Memphis, okay? I mean, look at all the people who are running. And and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Willie Harrington, stop running. You were the mayor before. (laughs) You had your shot. I'm sick and tired. No, no. Come. Let me just say it right now. No, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Willie Harrington, stop running for mayor. Okay, you had your opportunity to lead Memphis. You had your shot a number of years. Man, uh, go, go do something else. It's time for a new generation in Memphis. But every time there's election, he's sitting here running with the same tired message. And yeah, I said it. Time for new leaders to actually step up. But this is the thing what we're talking about here, uh, Kenneth, again, how we sit here and we're not maximizing black power. And that's how you had a Strickland who became the mayor of Memphis, because too many of us were trying to run and cancel everybody out.
19: That's exactly right. But here's the good news. Here's the good news, Roland. The candidate who won this time happens to be the best thing that could have ever happened for Memphis. And I think what happened... Paul Young. Paul Young. They learned Paul Young, yes. Uh, I think what happened was and you know this. You wrote the book on this. All right. The other candidates, Van Turner, Willie Harrington, uh, uh, Floyd Bonner, they split the vote that might have gone to a traditional civil rights candidate. But they were all fighting for the same vote. Paul Young put together. He did exactly what you were talking about earlier tonight, man. He had young people knocking on doors. People got tired of hearing about Paul Young. He meant Roland. This is his first political race. He's never run for anything, Rogue. And now he's the mayor of Memphis. And I believe it's going to be the best thing that ever happened for Memphis. Well, uh, I'm just,
5: I mean, don't, what just drives me crazy, and I see this all around the country, where we have opportunities to maximize black political power, to maximize things for black people, and we don't. And then everybody run around talking about, oh, Atlanta, Atlanta. Well, the folks at Atlanta figured out real fast if you keep power, you can wield power.
19: Absolutely. I think that's going to happen in Memphis, Roland. I really do.
5: All right. Well, I'll be paying attention, and I'll be watching. Uh, and then let me go ahead and say this here, uh, is this, and, and that uh, you already know this here. Everybody in Memphis, I am not coming back to Memphis for a commemoration of Dr. King's assassination if we are not going to be talking about economic uh mobility which is what he was talking about which is why he came to memphis i'm sick and tired of the same thing for selma if we ain't talking about the money i'm not coming back to selma for bloody sunday i'm tired of these civil rights commemorations where all we do is remember what happened back then and we ain't talking about the money today
19: well black economic empowerment is is what brought you and me together roland 10 20 years ago uh, and so I'm looking forward to it, man. Whenever you get ready to come down to Memphis and let's do the Black Economic Empowerment Symposium or whatever we're going to do, let's do it, man. We started Buster Move Monday 20, more than 20 years ago, uh, and we're still the only black church that I know of that engages in supporting with real dollars, black-owned business.
5: Well, well just folks understand, uh, we come to Memphis uh, around April 4th. It is going to be for an economic conversation yes, it's sir. not going to be for the usual. We're going to commemorate Dr. King's life by focusing on what he was focused on when he got killed. The money. All right, let's talk Let about know. let's talk about Israel, Gaza. President Biden is preparing uh, to go to Israel uh, on tomorrow. We saw today, hospital was bombed. Anywhere from three to five hundred people have been killed. Uh, the Palestinians are blaming the Israelis. Israelis are saying that uh, it wasn't them. A uh, lot of confusion there. You were there. How recent were you there?
19: I was there when the bombings occurred. I got there Monday of that week. Uh, to see Cameron, my son Cameron, perform at Bruno Mars. I was there from Monday through Saturday afternoon. Wow. Give us
5: a sense of what that was like, being in the midst of all of that.
19: Well, let me set the context. At at Bruno Mars' concert on Wednesday night, Roland, there were 60,000 people. Did you hear me? 60,000 people in the audience in Tel Aviv. And it wasn't just Israelis, it was Palestinians as well. And there were probably I'm just I'm just guessing that there were probably some young Hamas members at the Bruno Mars concert with music being the universal language. So that's the context for my experience. That was Wednesday night. We toured the Holy Land. You just showed some of the pictures. We toured the Holy Land Thursday and Friday, got up early Saturday morning to prepare uh, to go to the airport. And the sirens started blaring about 645, 7 a.m. Tel Aviv time. And um, that's where it started. Uh, I can answer some more questions. Let me tell you, man, our driver, uh, as he was taking me to the airport, showed me on his iPhone a FaceTime video, just like you and I are doing right now. His wife was FaceTiming him, and I literally saw, I heard her screaming, and I saw a white pickup truck pull up in front of their home, about eight masked gunmen, uh, jumped out of the back of the pickup truck in front of my driver's home and pulled out their AR15 type rifles and just started firing in a circular motion around uh, the community in front of this man's house that's where I was when everything started uh, this
5: has been it has been contentious it has been um, uh, it has been uh, just uh, hor- horrible to see the images the dead bodies uh, we can we, on and on and on. But but, what you also have this 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 dichotomy happening. Yesterday, uh, we were down in Fredericksburg, Virginia, for a panel. That were Israelis protesting in front. there were Jewish Americans protesting in front of the White House, calling on the White House to demand a ceasefire. You had the State Department issuing language saying uh, to the diplomats, don't use that type of language. Uh, you've got uh, on college campuses, you've got donors who are saying they're going to be pulling their money from Harvard and Penn, uh, from Columbia and other places because the presidents were not condemning students who were blaming Israel uh, and, and not Hamas. I mean, you have you have people who you have. So, I mean, you, Alicia Keys posted a photo and somebody asked her, what's the one thing that you would like to do that you were scared of. She said paragliding, and people like Megyn Kelly and others like, oh, look at her, dressed in the Hamas colors, and we see what she's saying. She had to, to delete the post, and she said, "I was asked the question, it had nothing to do with this, because that's how some of the, some of the Hamas folks uh, uh, attack Israelis. I mean, and so you, you literally have people who are saying, I can't win for losing, so I'm just not going to say anything.
19: Well, I'm not a geopolitician, so there are some things I can't opine on, but I am a theologian, which is what all of us are when we think about God. And I'm telling you, Roland, the same hatred that existed between Esau and Jacob, listen to me, it's the same hatred that still exists on the same soil that it existed between Esau and Jacob. And until we address that, until we do what I did, what Cameron and I did when we were at, in the Holy Land, right in the midst of the conflict, I fell on my face, man. I submitted myself to the presence of power of God in that atmosphere. And as we teach that, when more people do that, then we'll see uh, the situation tamped down. But, man, until we do deal with it, hatred is going to continue to move forward.
5: Yeah, and what I keep saying to people is death is death. And you have Israelis dying. You have Palestinians dying. Death is death. And so... People say, well, you know, you can't, you you know, it's like Israel has a right to retaliate. The folks, the Palestinians, Hamas, they're sitting here, they're tired of the oppression. Again, dying is happening on both sides. And guess what? Neither side is at peace.
19: And absolutely right. And dying is happening in our streets. And this is, Roland, this is what dawned on me as I was hunkering down in a shelter in the Tel Aviv airport while the sirens were blasting. I saw when I heard, I heard a radio report that a representative of Hamas said, these attacks are in retaliation for the way we have been treated for centuries. And for some reason, Roland, my mind went to the streets of Memphis, where we've got 11 year olds and 12 year olds carjacking people and shooting and killing people. And it is the same sense of hopelessness and despair. Just like Hamas, they feel like they're not being heard what we have to do, particularly those of us who have boots on the ground, as I heard you say earlier, those of us who are uh, in the Christian community, we have to reach out to our young people, pay attention to them and help them to move beyond the anger which is justified into a position of I know that I am loved because it's the same hatred, Roland. It's the same bullets, and it's the same.
0: Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever place your money line prop and parlay bets with a king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
8: There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories. And we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now.
18: My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer.
2: In response to attacks against Asian-Americans... Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community.
18: There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community.
2: Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council.
5: Somebody, uh, I was having a conversation the other day, uh, and um, uh, I was asked this question. Um, uh, and the question was, um, and it was an interesting conversation because, uh, there were, uh, there were Jewish folks, there were, uh, there were Arab folks, there were African American, there was white. And so it was a very eclectic group there. And they said, how can we get this to stop? And, and the hostages came up, you know, and the first thing I thought about, I said, I hate the fact that a Reverend Jackson has been, been so hit with Parkinson's disease. I thought about the hostages that, that, that he was able to negotiate and get freed all around the world. And, and part of the problem that we're facing right now, you literally do not have a world leader or somebody with the type of moral standing who, when they speak, can get
19: multiple sides to listen. Well, you and Sheila, my wife Sheila and I have talked about this before, the absence of someone with the moral rectitude and the ability to speak for many. But Roland, Roland, I believe that it is the black church that has uh, reneged on its responsibility. I'm included that is reneged on our responsibility. I believe that as the black pastor goes, so go black people. And if individual black pastors will begin to just stand up in truth, begin to fall down in worship, begin to speak the truth, begin to come away from this deal of letting politicians come into your pulpit, all this kind of thing, I believe we can be a united voice that speaks the way Dr. King spoke, the way Reverend Jackson spoke at one time. I think that's possible, Roland, and I know you do too.
5: Well, uh, what we're facing right now uh, is uh, a continuation of the deaths. Again, folks, the the blame is going around right now. Who's responsible uh, for uh, this tragedy uh, at uh, this particular uh, uh, church? Uh, I'm looking at uh, the front page of the New York Times right now. Uh, Go to my iPad. Israelis and Palestinians blame each other for blasts at Gaza Hospital that kill hundreds. Here's the reality. Hundreds are dead while they're blaming No doubt. No doubt. Pastor Whalum, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, brother.
19: Love you, Roland.
5: Thanks a bunch. Thanks a bunch. Tell tell the wife and the fam what's up. Um, Real quick to my panel here. Um, Randy, I'll start with you. I mean, this is... One of the things that's happening right now, Randy, and corporations are on edge, universities... You got a you mean you got you got slack chats that are going crazy because people are drawing lines. Uh, you've got uh, you got billionaires like Bill Ackman that are saying, "Oh, any student who signed onto any of these statements on the college campuses, do not hire them for jobs." A law firm rescinded the rescinding job offers uh, to some of these students. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's 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 stunning to watch. Literally, while that battle is going on in, um, I'll call it North Africa, other people call it Middle East, uh, while that's happening, then, of course, you have the battles that are happening literally in the streets of the United States, protests and rallies, and what's happening in corporations uh, as well. Um, how, how does a corporate leader navigate this? It's
16: a really good question. I have been watching... I've, I've been getting lists of corporations that people should ban or, or protest on either side, um, depending on how you feel. You know, they say, "Oh, this 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 product." You know, don't go don't go to Starbucks because they are feeding money in to Israel. Um, and you know, it, it, and people don't seem to get that there is no win here. There is no win, um, and it is affecting everything from you know, pe- what people are posting on their social media because they're afraid of what to do. I think that what a corporation, where I advise in a corporation now as a DEI specialist, is that it would, it would be very neutral and about just peace, something that serves everybody. I don't believe that it's smart for any corporation to, to, to come in and draw a line about where, they're, where they stand and particularly trying to punish people for their own opinions. But they do have to just say to push peace. And that and and offer services, you know, offer services because there is a lot of stress that is going on within the workplace now. And so they have to say, how do we ensure that people are dealing with the emotional toll that this is that that's taking place because it's affecting people. But to keep drawing lines, like you said, death is death. People are dying on either side. And that is not a win for anyone is a terrible choice for any corporation
5: to me. But Suzette, the problem is folks are saying, no, 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 you can't be middle of the road. You literally must be deciding one way or other. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of these celebrities who are getting in trouble, uh, uh, who haven't said anything. I mean, it's been unbelievable to watch the visceral reaction. And you you have some companies and brands and others saying to entertainers, you better say something or else. Uh, you've got, uh, again, this thing is just it, this, 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 this battle that is going on where it's literally you are either on the Israeli side or if you're on the Palestinian side, depending on who's saying, that means that, oh, you support Hamas. Uh, and so people are saying you can't even be neutral. Yeah,
9: uh, at this point, it, you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't. and um, there's there's very little middle ground to tread lightly. I've been looking at polls rolling where there are more supporters even within the Democratic Party for the Palestinian cause than there has ever been. Um, and it also is something that we have to be sensitive to because there's a distinction between Hamas and terrorism and the civilians that live in Palestine, as well as uh, uh, Israeli civilians and the Israeli government, I think people have to provide space for for one to be able to say they reject Hamas or the terroristic acts and atrocities they committed, uh, but do not support the Israeli government or don't completely agree with their action. I think there has been this kind of oversimplification that people are looking to, you know, choose sides where it's it's a lot of shades of gray. And so we, we have to, I think, allow for one another to be able to express their opinion. Uh, but because this is such a, a, a visceral topic, People are risking their brands. People are risking friendships and jobs and all the rest of it because uh, the, the Israeli question is something that, again, has, has been in flux for some time. And, again, this is just another iteration due to this uh, recent attack and incursion that has brought back old demons that have been unresolved. We'll see if President Biden has uh, an attempt in the next coming days to go back to diplomacy. But it it has been—the stakes have been ratcheted up now that you see the Israelis now—the Israeli government now— uh, amassing troops on the border. There is no escape for folks who have been living in, a, in an oppressive society without any means of their own self-determination. And yes, that has been ongoing even before this attack in the Gaza Strip. So there there's multiple sides to this. I don't think one side is completely—especially when you're making a distinction between government and civilian—you know, uh, completely right or completely wrong. Uh, but people are not very uh, nuanced for some reason when they're having these discussions. And I think that's something
5: that we ought to be and allow space for. Uh, This is video from yesterday. Four to six people were arrested outside of the White House uh, for protests there. Uh, Mustafa, it is uh, again, it is a dire situation uh, and the Israelis are preparing for what they talked about is a ground um, surge into uh, Gaza. Uh, they told the 1.1 million people uh, who are in northern Gaza uh, to head south. And so uh, this is going uh, to get worse before it gets better.
3: It most definitely is. And one of the reasons that it's going to get worse is because we fail to realize that both hate and evil Um, are like cancer. You know, when you don't address it in the beginning, then it begins to move all throughout the body, whether it is a human body or it is a systems body. Um, And Dr. King shared with us that the only way that you deal with hate is through love. Um, So we have to figure out how we're going to get more focused on these core elements as a human uh, that help us to move forward in, in the positive direction. So you see that hate playing out not only in the Middle East, but now you see it also finding its ways to get its talons in people all across the planet. This is a moment when we need to embrace our humanity to understand that a Palestinian baby or Israeli baby uh, that loses their life there of equal value and that we have to do everything that we can to protect life.
5: Uh, again, this is more okay. a video of yesterday's protest outside of the White House uh, from various uh, Jewish organizations. Uh, so that, that was also, I, I thought, was fascinating. You have, you have Jewish groups who are saying uh, stop. you got Palestinian groups. you got people who are saying uh, support uh, Israelis, support Palestinians. I mean, this is just continuing. And so uh, hopefully— uh, with the president and, and in fact uh, there's supposed to be a, a summit in jordan uh and uh the jo- jordan president called it off it supposed to be with president biden tomorrow it's not going to be happening all right folks got to go to a break we come back we're going to talk about uh, the battle over stand your ground law in florida yep the never-ending battle it continues you're watching roland martin unfiltered right here on the black star network
10: All change is not growth. right? But thoughtful change is real good fertilizer. And that's
5: what has been
10: so beneficial to us. But
5: you also were not afraid of the pivot.
10: Well, when I'm a black woman in business, come on, I don't care how I dress up, I don't care who I'm speaking with, I don't care what part of the world I am in. I still am a black woman in business. Being afraid of the pivot, being fearful of change, is not what got me here. Respectful of change. Respectful of pivot. Yeah. Fearful? No. Uh uh-uh. uh. No.
4: On a next, a balanced life with me, Dr. Jackie. Being of service to others is one of the greatest callings in life. But being there for someone else in their time of crisis is a whole new level. And you have to bring courage, commitment, and strength. On our next show, we meet two real life angels who were thrust in the midst of caregiving and without warning. And he was looking strange and um, couldn't cut his meat. And it was very odd. And I said, well, what's wrong? And he says, I think I've had a stroke. And so, of course, it scared, scared me. And um, we literally got in the car and he walked into the hospital on a Thursday. And by Saturday of that same week, he lost um, all control of his left side. The blessings, the challenges, and the way they maintain their balance, all next on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network.
2: Bruce Smith, creator and executive producer of The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
5: All right, folks, Florida State, your ground law remains controversial, as many thinks it's a get-out-of-jail-free card when one can say they feared for their life. State Center. From Florida, Chevron Jones was once again trying to uh, overhaul uh, this law. He joins us uh, now. Uh, glad to have you here, uh, Senator Jones. So um, what, what, you know, what's, what's the deal here? Because at the end of the day, uh, we've seen a lot of these stories, folks shoot and kill. They go, oh, oh, I was fearful for my life I was stand on my ground.
14: Well, first of all, it's always good to see you, Roland. I mean, and some people they keep asking, Chevron. Every year, first things first, is that me, who represent the largest Black district uh, in the state of Florida, it is the one thing that the African American community that they continue to ask for is, what is Florida going to do with standing ground? And we know that it's a losing battle within the state of Florida, but what we have to do is make sure that we continue to keep this at the top of mind to have a larger conversation when it comes to gun violence within our community. Whether it is creating a gun violence task force in which we have been asking for for the last three years, Roland, by mind you, has passed both chambers, but Governor DeSantis just truly w- won't sign it. In 2005, after the legislature passed Stand Your Ground, which basically expanded the scope, as you know, uh, with the scope of self-defense claim by totally eliminating the duty retreat, we know that to be a type of shoot-first culture of violence, uh, and that's what we know. And when we look at our community, it's more of us as African-Americans and marginalized communities. We find ourselves on the other side of, of that gun when we're talking about Stand Your Ground.
5: Well, and the thing that 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 still gets me is, and I think, frankly, those who are against this law should be constantly reminding: it's a bunch of law enforcement people. All, all these Republicans who love to claim uh, all, all, all blue lives matter and and how they pro law enforcement, pro law order. Most law enforcement folks, sheriffs and police chiefs, are against this law.
14: Absolutely, are. Absolutely, and, and listen. Ron, I was before before you, as you were in the last segment. I was reading the Tampa Bay Times, and the Tampa Bay Times, uh, they found that from two thousand and five to twenty twelve, uh, in cases where standing ground was used as a defense, seventy nine percent of those cases where the claim for self defense succeeded. The defendant, listen to this, but the defendant could could have retreated to avoid confrontation. And in sixty-eight percent of successful claims, the person killed was unarmed. Was unarmed. That's really from the Tampa Bay Times. That's, so the I, statistics and the facts. The no. statistics and the facts stand on the side of repeal. But but I think it's also important for us to to point out to where most people are. Talk, when you talk about standing ground, I mean, on my Instagram, people are like, "Well, you're not taking my guns away from me." First of all, do you, you, no one is talking about taking your gun away from you. But what we are talking about. In our community, how we are finding ourselves, your son, your daughter, your cousin, your niece, your nephew, are the, are the ones who are finding themselves dead and they cannot explain themselves why. Because an officer or individual has, has shot and killed them and claiming self defense when it truly wasn't self defense. Because truly, but because of the biases that we deal with in our police department, you I mean that's what a lot of these police officers are claiming. And guess what? You I mean, and they, and they get off and they win.
5: Uh, Suzette, question for Senator Jones.
9: Yes, sir. Um, talk about the com- the combination of the new legislation that came into being, uh, Senator Jones, who is from my neck of the woods. Good to see you, fellow, fellow Miami brother. Uh, one of the hardest Holy. working men in the state Senate. Talk about the, uh, combination, sir, of what we look like now in terms of, maybe statistically speaking, the stand-your-ground dilemma combined with now Florida's laws, which have made it easier to carry. Uh, A lot of people saw what happened in the state legislature. We know that there is a supermajority of Republicans, no matter what you do, I think in the Senate, it, what is it, it is 12 Democrats, 28 out in yep. a House body of 40, 28 GOP. Yep. Uh, and in the yep. House, it's 85 GOP to 35 Democrats. So no matter yep. what, you need uh, the other side's cooperation to pass anything. Uh, talk yep. about what it's like with those combinations of laws now in effect and how it will affect yep. the black community.
14: Yeah, Suzanne, it's always good to see you, sis. And I'm I'm proud of you. Listen, yeah, it is no it is no secret that the Democrats stand in the disadvantage in Florida, in the Senate and in the House. Uh, and when we look at your Brown now mixed with permanent carry, what was just passed this previous session, uh, we are creating an unsafe environment for our residents. And, of course, we know that that's unacceptable. But how do you think these mothers and fathers feel of those 68 percent of the individuals that I just spoke about who were unarmed but still fell victim to gun violence when, when it could have been de-escalated and completely avoided? Yes, we are at a disadvantage. But what we cannot do, and I made it clear in Black Caucus, I made it clear to our Demo- my Democratic colleagues that we must continue to tell the story. We can continue to tell the stories from our district. We just can't lay and allow the Republicans to do what they do uh, for the fact that because we're going to have the numbers to hell with that. I mean, fight the fight, file the legislation, raise your voices, build the coalitions because there are elections that's coming up, as you all were just talking about a few minutes ago. People want to know what are you actually doing? Forget the town hall, niggas. Forget all of this talking. Where are some actionable items that are actually taking place? Forget to move the agenda. Like with Permalist Karen, where we moved and started having these conversations, having these town hall conversations, and what does safety look like, and what and how do we move the agenda that we're looking for. If it's fouling if, if it's legislation that you know, you know is not going to pass to be able to move agenda, fine. Let's build this coalition based off of what people actually agree on, what can move people's hearts and minds until we get to the place where we need to be. And I'll end with this. Republicans did not get here by in one year, two years. It took them 22 years to take over the legislature. And the Democrats have to figure out what that message is going to be in order to move it. I'm not saying Stania Brown is it, but we got to figure out what that message is of coalition
16: building. Randy? I've been wondering, was there any movement? Because there was a lot of talk after the unfortunate murder of Trayvon Martin, Um, you know, and they talk about this authorized violence. With the foundation and just the visibility it had, has that helped move the needle in any way?
14: I can hear you, but I can't hear. I can't hear um, what she just made Uh, uh,
5: mention of. Randy, ask it again.
16: I'm wondering if, you know, we talk about the tragic murder of Trayvon Martin, and that put a lot of attention on stand-your-ground laws, um, and I also mm-hmm. know that the Trayvon Martin Foundation is very active. Has there been any movement, as we've seen very visible cases like Trayvon Martin or Ralph Dahl, where kids are actually, um, one in one instance, murdered, in one instance, um, almost killed? Has that helped move the needle whatsoever, the visibility of these cases? Yeah.
14: I'll be honest with you. I, first of all, the Trayvon, Sabrina Fulton, the, the, the Trayvon Martin Foundation had, in, in the beginning, that was their main focus. They were really trying to move the needle when it came to the repealing of, of Your ground. I will be extremely honest with you. Because they knew of the makeup of the House and the makeup of the Senate, they really began to expand their scope of what they were working towards it dealing with gun violence within the community, working with the Carrie Meek Foundation. So they moved away from the policy aspect and moved more closely uh, to the coalition building. But it's, it's, you're, actually, you're absolutely right. I mean, Not only does this law affect marginalized individuals at the, the alarming rate w- w- which you just miss, m- mentioned, and as we see in these cases, just like Trayvon Martin, it continues, and I repeat, it creates this culture of the shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say is you, these organizations that have rallied around and tried to push the needle when it comes to stand your ground on any type of gun legislation, the halt is, of course, within the legislature, but it's also with these gun rights groups, like the NRA and these other groups that uh, will that avoids these type of things from moving forward in the legislature.
5: Mustafa?
3: Yeah, well, Senator Jones, thank you for everything you're doing. You know, it's curious that uh, there was a study that came out last year that talked about stand your ground. And we know that there's been about 11% increase in homicides since it came out. About 700 more people are losing their lives each year. How do you use those types of statistics uh, to move the needle, if you will? How can folks who are outside of Florida be best supportive of the work that you're doing?
14: Mr. Alvarez, I, Mr. I really appreciate the work that you're doing also. I'll be honest with you, I mean, my colleagues can give two, I'm not, let me not say, let me not do that. I mean, keep it clean. They do not care. Show about... call unfiltered. You go ahead, <laughs> Fred. <frat>. Go ahead. <laughs> they don't give a shit about numbers. You understand what I'm telling you? They can care less when it comes about numbers. They do it because they can. And when you mix that in with black folk, let's talk about what black folk has suffered here in the state of Florida under Ron DeSantis. We're dealing with a community where the governor vetoed black projects in Black communities as retaliation because individuals were Democrat. We're dealing with a governor who, after the death of George Floyd, put forth legislation to avoid how we riot. We're dealing with a governor who came forth and and, and made it clear how we can teach African-American studies. We're dealing with a governor who took African-American studies, to this day, will not allow AP African-American studies to be taught here within the state of Florida, which is peer-reviewed doctor, review by doctors and scientists and everything else. So I know for a fact, Mustafa, that statistics does not, does not scare them because these individuals only do it because they can. And we are on the brink of another legislative session and a governor who is running for president. Mix those two together. Watch on January 9th until March 8th. You're going to see a bunch of chaos in the, in the legislature. And it's already started in week two of committees. All right. Mm-hmm. Senator Shepard jones we appreciate it, man. Keep up the good fight.
5: Thank you, Fred. All right, take care. All right, folks, we come back. Vice President Kamala Harris continues her tour of various colleges. This time she stops in Arizona. We'll show you some of that. Also... Another shooting at an HBCU uh, homecoming leaves a young Alpha dead. Jackson State uh, speaks on uh, the death of this young brother out of Chicago. We'll show you what the interim president had to say. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here Mm -hmm. on the Black Star Network.
7: I'm Faraji Muhammad, host of The Culture, and brothers, we need to talk. There's been much discussion about the state of the Black man in our community. Whether it's in politics, education, or in the home, My brothers, we are struggling to lead the way, which is why the culture will be hosting the Black Men Summit, where we'll be redefining and celebrating Black manhood. This special series will kick off on the 28th anniversary of the historic Million Man March on Monday, October the 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be talking to some of Black America's most prolific, dynamic, thought-provoking Black men activists, scholars, and leaders about our role, our power in our future. So tune in and join the conversation as an online culture crew member for the Culture's Black Men's Summit, redefining and celebrating Black manhood. Starting Monday, October 16th through Friday, October 20th, 4 p.m. Eastern time each day, right here, exclusively here on the Black Star Network.
15: Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network,
0: every week,
15: take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network.
16: Next on The Frequency with me, Dee Barnes actress, writer, and advocate, Rae Don Chong, is here to discuss her childhood and break down her life in Hollywood, a show you don't wanna miss. Well, even at my peaky, peak, peak, when I was getting a lot of stuff, as soon as I was working a ton, I heard people whispering, oh, We don't want to pay
17: her because we're giving her a break.
4: Only on the Frequency on the Black Star Network.
0: Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Devon Franklin. It is always a pleasure to be in the house. You are watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Stay right here.
5: Yesterday, Alpha Alpha Turn Incorporated, uh, my friend Mustafa as well, sent this out uh, on social media. Jalen Burns, 21-year-old kid, turned 22 next month out of Chicago area, uh, shot and killed uh, at an apartment uh, in Jackson, Mississippi. It took place over homecoming weekend, according to uh, Channel 7 out of Chicago. Um, Jalen actually went with the frat brother to his ex-girlfriend's house to get his things out. Jalen was simply helping his brother. Well, the girlfriend invited some other people over to the apartment. Fight breaks out. Jalen is trying to break up the fight. He gets shot and killed. Um, we've had, this is the third shooting that's taken place at the HBCU Homecoming in the last couple of weeks. We so the shooting in Morgan State, the shooting at Bowie State as well. Interim President of Jackson State University uh, issued uh, this statement today.
17: Greetings, JSU family, alumni, and community. I believe most of you have heard by now that we experienced the tragic passing of student Jalen Burns. Jalen was a Chicago native and an industrial technology major with a brilliant future ahead of him. This loss is devastating and unfathomable to the JSU community. It does not represent who we are as a Tiger family or a place in higher education. It further undercuts our mission to cultivate an environment where students come to learn and to evolve as individuals and free thinkers. We are committed to uplifting Jalen's memory and using it to propel us forward in love and unity. This matter is still under investigation. If you have further information, please contact the Jackson State University Office of Public Safety. Together, we are still JSU Strong.
5: Uh, again, he's about to turn twenty-two next month. Uh, I, Randy, I can't imagine if you're from the Chicago area. We talk about the violence that happens there all the time. Uh, you raise a son, you send him off to college, uh, and you send him to an HBCU, and he's returning home in a coffin.
16: It's it's unfathomable. It is it is heartbreaking. You know, as a mother who has two sons that go to an HBCU or one has graduated. um, I can't imagine. You you know, you feel such joy when your children enter into college that you have made it, that you've gotten them out and you don't even imagine that something like this can happen. Um, Our schools need to band together and figure out some real tough plans to prevent this from going on. Um, There was also a shooting at my alma mater, Tuskegee University, Uh, recently, well, you know, on outside the grounds, but still. And so we're having issues. I mean, we just have to be very honest about these issues and become very, you know, work on our security, you know, talk to the students about, you know, how to protect themselves. You know, I mean, it's sad, but we really do need to, we can't just feel sad. We have to have, we have to take some action. So this will not continue
5: anymore. I mean, this is the thing, we with that, that we're dealing with. We're dealing with people who are walking around who who, who believe that carrying guns and pulling them out is the way to solve disputes.
3: Yeah, it's become a part of the culture now. I know folks don't ever want to talk about that. You know, we live in a country with 400 million guns. Uh, 26,000 people have been killed so far this year, been murdered by firearms. And we also know inside of our community that You know, we have got some self-hate that's going on. And oftentimes, um, instead of just taking a moment and thinking about a situation, folks will react. Um, You know, folks will react. The young lady who invited uh, people over when she knew other folks were coming over probably should have thought differently. We have just got to be smart as young men also about the places that we go. Um, And that's not to put any blame on uh, the brothers who were there. But we have to be smart because we no longer live in a society where people um, are valuing each other. Um, so, one, we got to change the dynamics around how many guns are out there. Uh, and two, we've got to begin to find ways of better loving ourselves inside of our community.
5: Uh, absolutely. Uh, Suzette, your, your thoughts.
9: Yeah, I just look at this in the greater context of what's going on in America, right? We know that the mass shooting phenomenon is is a countrywide problem, not just one that is uh, reflected in the Black community, as we are a part of this great experiment. We, we too are are affected by that culture. As of September 17th, I think we were just passing 500 mass shootings for the entire country. Um, So, looking at these uh, succession of shootings at Black colleges and, and universities, it's just very disheartening and quite ironic that you send your child uh, away, as you as you talked about, with a sense of pride and promise to a, a college and, and university, and for something as tragic as this to happen, is is unfathomable. So my heart goes out to these families. I I do admonish um, the administration to look at their security measures during homecoming because it's not just students; everybody's on campus. People come from near and far, uh, who are both alumni and non alumni, to enjoy these events. This one specifically was a kind of interpersonal. Uh, issue, but in general, looking at what happened uh, and the other two shootings, I think we also have to uh, look again at campus safety, revisit that issue. And then as Mustafa just pointed out, that interpersonal violence, we need to really talk about that within our communities and within our culture, other ways to resolve uh, disputes so that we don't turn to gun violence and things don't end as tragically as they have for this family.
5: Um, all right, folks, Um Vice President Kamala Harris, she was today uh, on a college campus uh, in Arizona continuing her tour, uh, speaking to the various issues uh, of the day. Uh, here's what uh, she had to say.
20: Madam Vice President, uh, to begin, I must thank you for being a true champion of young voices. As you know, I was studying a little bit of film on a couple of the campuses he visited, and one thing that stayed consistent was to never silence. Our voices and so i thank you thank you
21: jonathan
20: and i want you as well to honor that today as a proud chicano aspiring educator i must ask a question that relates to the lives and experiences of my students this administration has continued to deport children and their families while simultaneously building the wall children continue to die at the wall because of this country's inhumane policies, much like the policies, crimes and committed, funded against those in Palestine. 47 families in Gaza have been completely removed from the civil registry since the bombing began, meaning genocide. These families don't exist anymore. A UN school was bombed last week by Israel, killing 30 students and 11 UN staff. Just today, I know y'all saw the news. Today, Israel bombed the last Christian hospital in Gaza, killing over 500 doctors, children, and refugees. You know, my grandpa... Arnold Otero, who is in the audience today, told me one thing growing up as an educator, and that is that no one can ever take away your right to education. And so I ask you today, Madam Vice President Harris, as an educator, why take away the life of the children in Gaza and at the border, which ultimately takes away the fundamental right of education? Thank you.
21: So you brought up a lot of issues, and there's a lot to unpack. Let us start with this. I absolutely understand, and it is my lived experience with the first subject that you raised, to know that this is a nation that was founded by immigrants. I am the child of a mother who came to the United States by herself when she was 19 years old, and I sit here as Vice President of the United States. I am acutely aware of the connection between immigrants and who we are as a country. And I feel very strongly about the importance of always recognizing America's history and current responsibility, to acknowledge that. I will also say that it is important that we have a safe, orderly, and fair immigration system. When Joe Biden and I came into office, the first piece of legislation, I think it was the day after our inauguration, that we proposed was pathway to citizenship. And Republicans in Congress have purposely not picked it up because they have decided it is in their political best interest to create an issue in a way that they can then politicize and play games with, and play games with the lives of people, many of whom are fleeing or have fled harm or just a basic inability to take care of themselves and their families. And part of our immigration system has always recognized the importance of being a place where people who have a legitimate fear of harm can receive and seek, at the very least, asylum. So that's how I feel on the issue of immigration. On the issue of what is happening in the Middle East, I believe that Israelis and Palestinians both deserve peace, deserve self-determination, and deserve safety. I am deeply, deeply affected, as I think we all are, by what we have seen in terms of the loss of life and the violence that has occurred when, first of all, a terrorist organization, Hamas, struck Israel in the way that it did. I think it is important to recognize also the distinction between a terrorist organization, Hamas, and the Palestinian people and civilians. And they should not be conflated. And we must have a response to that in a way that we understand as humans that this suffering that is happening is something we must take seriously. So I appreciate you raising the subject, and I appreciate your leadership.
5: Folks, if you missed uh, that, we live streamed that right here on the Black Star Network. So go to our app. YouTube channel to check it all out. Don't forget, you can also watch our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week streaming channel for events like this uh, on Plex TV. Be sure to check it out. You can also go to Amazon News. You can go to Amazon Fire and then go to Amazon News till Alexa Play News from the Black Star Network. You can also now watch us on Amazon Freebie as well as uh, Amazon's Prime Video and their live TV, <coughs> live TV agreed. All right, folks, we come back, a marketplace segment, a black owned detergent company. That's right. We'll talk to them next, right here on Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network.
1: Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene. White nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence.
5: White people are losing their damn minds.
16: Next on The Frequency with me, Dee Barnes, actress, writer, and advocate Rae Don Chong is here to discuss her childhood and break down her life in Hollywood, a show you don't want to miss. Well, even at my peaky peak peak when I was getting a lot of stuff, as soon as I was working a
4: ton, I heard people whispering, oh, we don't want to pay her because we're giving her a break.
3: Only on The Frequency on the Black Star Network.
14: Hey, what's up, Geek in the place to be, got Kicked out your Mama's University, creator mm-hmm. and executive producer of Fat Tuesdays the Air Hip Hop Comedy. But right now I'm rolling with Roland Martin, unfiltered, uncut, unplugged, and undamn believable. You hear me?
5: our marketplace segment we're always talking about uh different uh products that african americans own and control well uh, our next guest guess what they do black owned detergent that's right it's not black detergent it's black owned detergent uh out of atlanta uh, it is a veteran-owned uh, company. Uh, they uh, held, it's called True Products. Uh, since 2012, uh, they have been uh, uh, cleaning clothes, 18 various states, uh, other countries as well. Joining us from College Park, Georgia, True Products CEO Malik uh, Saleem and CFO um, um, Raheem Abdul Shahid. Uh, hey folks, how you doing? First of all, do we have, because it was supposed to be three of y'all, but it's two of y'all. So who's with us again?
22: Ali and Rahim.
5: Got it. Okay, cool. Got it. Uh, Ali and Rahim, so the CFO and the marketing manager. All right. So uh, how did this thing start? Where did the idea come from uh, to have uh, uh, cleaning products?
22: Well, as, uh, i like to start off with saying, uh, Roland, we honor to be talking with you. you. Your service has been outstanding for our families in the community. This started with my blood brother. He is a research chemist, and he worked in the corporate world with Dow Chemical, and he always had a passion to do for self. We came under the teaching of Elijah Muhammad in 1967-68. I came in and brought him in, and that, that really helped us to stay into the business world and manufacture. I haven't punched a clock since 1968. The formula came from the scientists. We call him the George Washington Carver of the 21st century.
0: <laughs>
22: we studied, we put this product out in Atlanta. It, it first started with a container looked like this. And the content is the power. What's inside? The bottle. We sold it in Atlanta, track the trailer load, over six, 6,000 pieces. We sold it as a guarantee product, and we still sell it as a guarantee product to our people and all people. You said it right. We're more on a mission, not so much just to make money. We're trying to make a difference in the black community. We know we spend more money than anybody in the world, but we spend it with other people. Yep. We believe that this is the best time it ever been in the history for African Americans to be financially free. But we know we have a lot of leaders in the religious world and in politics and the academic. They don't spend time on academic. I sent three uh, of my daughters to college. They still don't know how to um, save money invest money <laughs> okay well here's
5: so, see. Uh, what i'm looking here again uh so we're gonna go to the tight shot here so we got um free and clear this one here free of fragrances and dyes this is heavy duty right here uh and then we have uh this one here fabric softer uh and also uh, these are the dryer sheets uh and so uh so are these the only products or do you have other products as well
11: Okay, those are the products that we have now, right? But our goal is to have an entire line of household product. For instance, like that, free and clear, it has no fragrance, no color. The one in the purple with the uh, fragrance and color. Right here. And the softener. We we, we came out with the fabric softener because we, we, we researched and found out that most fabric softener had chemicals in it that caused learning disabilities. So we came out with a fabric softener that does not. It's made from 97% cotton seed and everything we make you only need one ounce. That's the benefit. One of the great benefits in it, right? Because if you buy one hundred and one ounces from us, you get one hundred and one loads. Just this? Wait buy- a minute. So you're saying you ju- okay? This little
5: cup, this little right here, you can wash a whole load just with this one. This list
11: right here. Two of those right there equal an ounce. That's all you need. Everything that you buy, wow. you can use. Okay, wow. Wow. So most- yeah, see, on most detergent, you may buy hundred ounces. You look on the back, you are only to get sixty-four or, or forty-eight loads. Okay. So, so our goal is that everything you buy, you should be able to use. And that's it with us. So, so that's a great benefit. It saves money, saves on the environment. Because the more deterrent you put in your machine, the uh, you 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 put a, you put pressure on on clean water. Got it. All right. Uh, questions for my
5: panel, Mustafa, you first.
3: Oh yeah, well, brothers, uh, thank you for doing this. Um, and especially that last point you made because uh, I see that you have an eco-friendly project, a product which is incredibly important because of the impacts it places both on our water bodies and uh, actually air pollution as well sometimes. Can you talk a little bit about why you made the choice uh, to create an eco-friendly product instead of following the model that many others have followed?
11: Well, the reason why is this right here, right? I think as uh, uh, human beings, right, Knowing that we are uh, uh, over the planet, right, we should not only think about how we can make money, right, but we could we should think about how we're going to leave the environment for the next generation. So we have to tie all of that in to making money. Is that, hey, uh, is this safe for the—first of all, is it safe for the family? Is it safe? Is the chemicals you use safe for the family? Number two, then, is that is after the after package is being used, right, is it going to create— a pressure on the environment so that it's it's gonna cause havoc in the next generation. So all of those are things that we think about because we're on a mission to create an entire line of household products with all of those principles in mind. Suzette.
9: Yes, I'm here on Amazon, gentlemen, actually uh, shopping, trying to see your distinctions between what is already on the market. I know that you have this environmental Component. I want to know, especially for the free and clear, because that's something that is important to me because I'm allergic to dyes, et cetera. Is it a more highly concentrated formula? I'm looking at the price point differential from an all free and clear. The very large uh, bottle that I bought yesterday was about $20. Uh, Can you talk about your comparative pricing and what you're getting for your buck? if it's a little bit more?
11: So here's the deal. It's not more, right? It's less. And the reason why it's less... It's, yes, it's less, right? See, what you have to do is look on the back of the other ones that you're getting and see how many loads are you getting. And then you price it according to how many loads. So if you if you look at ours, 101 loads, and divide that into whatever the price you're paying, right, and then take the other ones and do that, right, you're going to find out. Or if you just say, you don't even have to do the math. So if you get 100 ounces of free and clear from somebody else, and they say you're only going to get 48 loads, Right. And I tell you, for 101 ounces, hours you're gonna get 101 loads. You don't even do the need to do the math. That's yeah, the, I'm that. I'm tells you can right make, make more money. Yeah, the 94
9: loads, but I understand your point. I'm I'm grateful and congratulations on on entering such a highly competitive marketplace. And are you help, Are you getting help in terms of your um, um, distribution? In terms of how are you marketing it? How are you gaining market share primarily?
11: Okay. We're gonna both answer. Ali gonna go first, I'm coming after you. Uh, okay. Uh, we
22: started out with this distributors in the black community. We want people to be financially free too and save money. We have affiliators that pick up money every month, and we have the distributors selling it all over America and earning money. Um, the other way we sell on the internet. And it been a phenomenon, where people been every every year our business increase, and that's what been so excited to see that African American people are begin to understand what group economic mean. If you have your own, why you want to spend your money with someone else? We employ people that came from the prison. We're teaching young people in the summer, 15, 16 years old, about business, how to sell do, in the streets, dough to dough, and really to the supermarkets, too. We are in some top supermarkets now. So it's been a challenge, but we love challenge,
11: And we love setbacks. And so we know how to turn it into success. Okay. And the other thing is, like, right now, like we, 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 we have what we call an air attack and a ground attack. Our air tag is, is to get the product known across the internet, right? That that sets us up so that we create brand awareness, right? As you create brand awareness, then you start going into the supermarkets, right? Because most people who go into stores, they already know what they want to get before they go in there. So you can't go in there before your brand is known and people know that they can buy it there, right? For instance, like right now, we're in three Ace Hardwares in, in Atlanta. Our next step is to go across the board. And now that we're in three Ace Hardwares, we can present our product to to Ace Hardware's all over the country, and that could be our first breakthrough for uh, in uh, for the national nationwide uh, stores to go in. That's 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 how we're planning it right now. So we go. We have a lot of supermarkets right here in Atlanta. If you were to go on thus and look up locator, you can find all these different places where we sell. And we have distributors, out, like Ali's saying. We have distributors that that buy from us wholesale, and they distribute in that in that areas. We have, we just picked up a distributor in uh, Philadelphia who has it in one of the major stores there now.
5: So folks, so do so. So folks, do this here um, if you uh, actually uh, want to support. We'll give it in a second. Uh, Random, did you ask your question?
16: I already use the product.
5: Well, well, since you already use it, tell us about
16: it. <laughs> I, I think it's fantastic. I haven't used the fabric-free, but it makes sense to me. You know, we talk about building a black economy and 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 using our dollars. You know, buying a product that's actually very good, smells good, is effective, um, and cost-effective. Why wouldn't I put it in the black economy? You know, I'm all about that. So I'm already I'm already a fan. Um, and, and just wondering, I'm just hoping that we see your product where we go in these major stores that I've bought online. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering, does, does it make a difference if the everyday person just goes into a store and says, hey, we want you to carry this product? Like if I were just to go on my local Walmart or Target, is that helpful if there's a, um, a push from the customers in that way? Could, yes. could we help?
11: Yes. yes, ma'am. That's a big help. Big
5: help. Okay. All right. So, folks, y'all know what you do. All right. So, I'll uh, pull up the, the, the promo code. So, uh, for all the folks who are watching Rolling Martin Unfiltered, uh, if you want to buy direct, there's a promo code. Uh, it's right there uh, on the screen. Uh, so, you should see it. Uh, and again, promo code is uh, Rolling15. Rolling15. So, go to thetrueproducts.com. Thetrueproducts.com. Uh, and you can actually uh, uh, check it out. And so, again, they're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, so you see the handles they're on YouTube as well. So, again, if you want to buy this black-owned uh, detergent, go to thetrueproducts.com. Use the promo code ROLAND15. So and all, everybody who's watching do understand uh, we've had other companies. We've, we've featured other companies. Uh, and I understand something, y'all. And see, I had somebody ask me this question um, because they asked me, they said, uh, uh, I was somewhere and a person came to me and they said, uh, uh, you know, what do you charge uh, for your marketplace segment? Uh, And I said, I don't. Then I had somebody else uh, who said, hey, you should be charging people because this is free advertising. Uh, And I said, well, I said, my hope is that those folks who are featured uh, will, will give back to the show. Uh, And so that's so folk need to understand when we're deciding who to feature, uh, this is not uh, somebody who's paying us to be on the segments we're choosing based upon the products, based upon the interest of of the audience. And so we've been doing this since we launched the show. And so we featured all kind of different companies. I mean, companies that make pots and cookware, folks that make hats and uh, uh, body wash, you name it. And so uh, we do this every single Tuesday. And so again, y'all can check out uh, True Products right here, folks. You see the products right here. Again, this is the free and clear uh, uh, this is the free, this is free and clear, right? This is free and clear right here. Uh, this is the heavy duty, uh, liquid laundry detergent right here. Uh, and then this is the fabric softener, uh, with the lavender scent. And then they also have the, you know, I see folks always use, uh, the bounce. Well, they've got their true dryer sheets, uh, as well, uh, right here. So all the washing you do, uh, and again, uh, and I'm still blown away just two of these, one ounce and then boom right there. Uh, 101 loads uh, out of one bag that's what you can do right there and so uh let me thank uh both of our guests uh for being here ali raheem thanks a bunch and good luck
11: thank you thank you you. always great
5: to lock home with a freedom fighter appreciate it thank you so very much all right suzette randy and mustafa thanks a bunch uh for having uh for y'all being on the show i appreciate y'all being here suzette your first time right it is. Uh, Greetings, everybody, from Miami. All right. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, uh, uh, we, uh, uh, we, we didn't haze you too bad. So uh, it was all good. <laughs> it was all good. All right, glad to have all three of y'all here. Oh, somebody in the comment asked about my outfit. This is one of the fabrics that they gave me last year in Liberia, Uh, and so I had uh, uh, my homeboy here uh, uh, design it uh, for me, and so uh, that's what I'm rocking today. Yes, I'm rocking the black and gold. Y'all know uh, how we do it. Uh, Mustafa knows being an alpha brother. All right, y'all, that's it. Don't forget us. Support us in what we do, please. Uh, first and foremost, uh, your dollars are critically important. Please join our Bring the Funk fan club. The goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing on average uh, 50 bucks each. That's $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. Uh, folks, you know, we, we don't charge a subscription for this here. I purposely want to make the show, have the show free and available to everybody, but uh, your resources, trust me, they absolutely matter for us as we cover the news all across the country. Uh, so, uh, do me a favor. So if you're checking the money, order to PO Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash App is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle, Roland at RolandSMartin.com. Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Uh, so please uh, support us there. You can also download the Black Sun Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung, Smart TV, and, of course, if you're on YouTube, hit the Like button. We always want to try to hit at least 2,000 likes every single day, uh, and we want you to also... Uh, of course, support us on our 24-hour streaming channel. You can watch us on Plex TV. So, uh, go to Plex TV and check us out. You can also go to uh, you can also check us out on Amazon uh, News. Of course, when Amazon Fire and go to Amazon News, you can also tell Alexa, play News from the Black Star Network. You can also watch us on Amazon Freebie as well as if you're on Prime Video, click Live TV. You can check out our news channel right next to all the other channels that are on there. There as well so be sure to check us out there as well. I'll see y'all tomorrow right here on Rolling Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network.
11: ha
15: Folks Black Star Network is this. Oh no I think.